welcome to the Warhammer 40k book club. This is episode number eight, in which we're discussing Shroud of Night by Andy Clark. I'm Jen Bozier. And I'm Alfarius. <laughs> and this is Warhammer 40k book club, where we read from a crag. Every episode, we discuss a book that we've selected from the Black Library's Warhammer 40,000 catalog. We post the book on our website, wh40kbookclub.com, along with questions to ponder during reading. Listeners are able to read the book, then tune in to hear our discussion. We encourage participation via Twitter, the site, or Encrypted Box channel. Spoiler warning, if you haven't yet read the book, go ahead and visit the site, check out the book, and then come back to this episode as we'll be discussing the book from start to finish in great detail. As mentioned, this episode, we're discussing Shroud of Night by Andy Clark. The book is about a group of Alpha Legionnaires, the unsung, as they go to an oceanic hive world to corrupt a beacon. Obviously, they're on the wrong side, or the right side, as it were, of the rift, and this is what little light the denizens of the Imperium have left of the Emperor. We posted several questions on our website. Let's dive in. So first and foremost, did you like the book? Hell yes. Oh my god, I loved this book. <laughs> I think I put in one of the questions, this book is bonkers, and we're gonna talk about it, but it was just like, Oh my gosh, like first you have Alpha Legion, then you have the Emperor's Children, then you have the Imperial Fists, then you have Karn, a saint! Just like, every time I was like, every time somebody else entered the fray, I was just like, oh my gosh! <laughs> it's like the Smash Brothers of Warhammer 40k! I mean, it's just so crazy, because it starts off with, these guys just want a ship off this planet. That's all yes. they want. They just want off the planet. And it's one of those, you know, almost like, yo, dog, I heard you like side quests. Actually, along those lines, and I want to talk about that a bit, this book read like a video game. Oh, well, like, you yeah. Can imagine Kassar, Kassar? Kassar. Kassar being the player character. And you meet the Emperor's children, like you have a cutscene of you on the Blood Forge, and then you meet the Emperor's children, you make a deal with the devil, and then, like, and especially once Karn enters the fray, it very much reminded me of, like, here's all these quests you have to go through, and you could see the cutscenes and the places where you take control, and yes, it, yo dog, I heard you like side quests. So, got so I got you a side quest. Side quest. <laughs> so you can side quest while you side quest, and you side quest while you side quest. <laughs> Yes, very much so. And um, God, I laughed a lot in this book. I did too. Which, with all of our love and respect for ADB, Sphere of the Emperor was so heavy. This was like really needed. I laughed almost as hard as I did like in Caiaphas Cain books. Um, and I needed that. I needed that after how heavy Sphere of the Emperor was. Yeah. It was nice to have something like a, a little lighter because I think we talked about this um, briefly once where I was saying that I had a hard time with it in the beginning because it was like so over the top. I was like, oh, my God, this is like the longest plane crash ever. And how many things comes one plane crash? And I was kind of annoyed. But then as the book went on, it's like, no, that's how awesome this is because it's so over the top. It reminded me of an 80s action movie, like Commando or something like that, where it was just like, it started here, right? Like if, you're, if your bottom was here, it started over the top. And it just kept going. Even down to like the last page. Yes. Yes, very much so. And oh my gosh, so much happened in this book too, which I think was really fun about it too, is that it was this crazy over the top roller coaster ride that it read very much like a video game it had some good humor in it but stuff went down in this book yeah like when i finished i think i tweeted out it's like I, nothing could prepare me for this wild ride like no it was like the craziest roller coaster i've ever been on i i have to admit too when when we picked this book i was kind of like eh, alpha legion okay something something i am alfarius and when i saw saint celestine on the cover i was eh. Okay. Yeah, I fully, fully take back any doubt that I had because <laughs> it was just amazing. So what parts of the book really stood out to you? Oh, gosh. Um, I, <laughs> right? think, I think the one that stands out to me the most because it's one I still giggle over. It's when they see Karn and Karn is coming at them in like full glory. 
It's like, oh, yeah. okay, so um, do you, I don't know if you've actually seen Despicable Me 2. Uh, yes, I have okay. seen the second one. All right, so, you know, there's that scene where the minions, they're like, down into like a practice call when he's going to ask Lucy out. Right. And then they have a fire, and that guy's coming in with the axes, just going nuts, chopping through. That's how I imagine Karn acting. <laughs> just like 10 times scarier. So just that with him coming up the stairs, because when he sees them, it's just like, oh, yes, <laughs> more things to kill. And runs up, the axe is going nuts, and um, just left it. Uh, like, who was it? Oh, gosh, it's my favorite part. Oh, uh, Haltheus, one of my favorite characters. When my he favorite sees character. Him, he sees him, he goes, oh, throne. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, and I think he also, oh, gosh, I highlighted it. I have to find it because the line was perfect but when they um when, when they see the saint and i think it's healthiest again it's like they have a woman with wings <laughs> like, that was so great and then at the end when the warp opens up and all the shadow demons start coming out and they're like we have to get off this planet <laughs> it's just like again that's the part where it felt so much like a video game to me or some over-the-top action movie where even they're like what is going on? Well, I mean, actually, when, when they said that we got to get off this planet, I immediately heard um, Nebula on uh, on Ego's yes. planet. We've got to get yes. off this planet. <laughs> yes, very much so. Because um, nothing oh, good is happening on this planet. No. At all. Literally nothing. You know, I, that, that end, though, with, with the Saints... I knew a lot of comparisons because it just made me think of so much. But oh, with, no, for sure. But with, like, the demons coming in and all the chaos is, you know, going crazy and the fists are dying and he's like, we got to get off this planet. Kind of reminded me of, like, the end of, like, a Guy Ritchie movie where you can feel the tension just kind of building up and then all chaos just breaks loose. And it's like, we just, we, we just got to get out of here. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. It reminded... so. The biggest comparison I had throughout this book for me was Resident Evil Nemesis, which you know me, so you know that that was my favorite entry in there. I played it when I was a teenager. It was one of the first games my husband and I played together, so we really had this affinity for it. But throughout the whole game, there was Nemesis, this hulking juggernaut of a creature that was hunting you, and he would show up, and he would beat the hell out of you, and then he would go away. And then later in the game, like, he would keep showing up a little bit stronger and a little bit stronger, just like Karn. But it would be funny because as we were playing the game, all of a sudden, my husband and I, well, then boyfriend, would be like, you know, we haven't seen Nemesis in a while. And I felt the same way reading this book where I was like, we haven't seen Karn in a while. And oh, there's Karn! <laughs> Which reminded me of, I don't know if you remember, like, 15 years ago, there was a group of guys who were stoned out of their minds and they re-dubbed over one of the old 90s x-men cartoons i think it's the phoenix saga when liliandra comes down oh my gosh no i don't know this this sounds oh god it's the start of the meme for i'm the juggernaut bitch (laughs) so random and these guys are stoned most of them are laughing in the background but like every time the juggernaut comes on screen he's like oh it's the juggernaut And I just kept thinking of that the whole time, like in the best of ways. Because when he would show up, like, oh no, it's Karn! Especially when he has the red mist going around him, which I just loved. And again, it made it feel so like so much like a video game, because this wasn't even his final form. <laughs> As he keeps coming out. As he keeps coming out, finally, once there's this red mist swirling around him and demons are crawling out of it, I was like, that makes sense. <laughs> he's an avatar of corn of course of course he has this red mist swirling about him and it sounded like i make jokes about it but reading the book it actually more reminded me i think i even told you this was that end scene in rogue one when there's that dark tunnel and oh, dark yeah, yeah, yeah. lights the lightsaber and it's just absolutely terrifying for like a minute um that's pretty much every time he showed up i was like oh no oh i was honestly terrified every time he showed up because the description of him and the description of their terror when they see him is just it's so well done it just kind of sinks oh, yeah. into you and I was like like I was actually getting tense like on the edge of my seat while I'm reading this like how are they going to get away 
from Karn this time. And Oh, yeah, for sure. And I, yes, <laughs> I just loved it. Because, you know, the last time um, I saw Karn really was in Betrayer, also by ADB. So like a broken record over here. Um, but that end scene when he beats the hell out of Erebus, a.k.a. Yes, queen scene of that book. He's a man of few words. In fact, you most of the scene, I think the only thing he says is get up. So, and he was a man of few words in this too. But it was nice that he could make him this terrifying, imposing figure while still staying true to the character, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I I I loved every part about Karn. And I, I think our final question, actually, which we've kind of gone into was, how about Karn, though? Mm. Terrifying. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so I went into this book not really caring about the saint. I was like, hmm, Celestine, yay. I was very, very sad when he killed her. When she, like, when she was just like, oh, all right, here it comes. Because she knows things. She does know things. In fact, what did you think of her? And this kind of goes back into my wrestling with the Emperor's divinity. That, right. That whole thing. Um, I liked her better than the, I'm doing the air quotes for the podcast people, Saint in uh, Plague War. I'll say that. Like, right. If anyone, I think, actually has some saintly powers, it's, it's uh, Celestine. And it's mainly... If nothing else, first of all, the wings, like, I really want to know where those came from. And um, also, the fact that she was having all these visions, and she knew what was going to happen. She knew her time was ending here. And as, you know, Karin came for her, and she said, you know, she was getting, she was sad. At the same time, she said that the dawn can only come when it goes dark. Yes. So obviously this is going to have some huge implications later on down the line. Like I know that there is a St. Celestine book coming out in a few months. By Andy Clark. Oh, is it by Andy Clark? Oh, okay. Well, so I guess he knows what he's talking about. It is also one of the reasons that I was like, okay, now we have to read this. (laughs) I actually highlighted that going into a book where I really didn't care about the saint, I loved the scene when she comes down and she intercedes with the Imperial fist and even he is kind of speechless for a while there uh-huh. and, um, with Desorian. And I just loved the whole conversation she had with him where he's like, how is this possible? And she kind of explains that, you know, oh, it's because I'm a saint in the Emperor's divinity. And he's like, Ooh. and she, he, she even says to him, she's like, you believe what you want to believe. Right. And it was just this really nice moment with this gruff, stoic, imperial fist and being awed temporarily by the saint of the emperor. And um, I really, really liked what they did with her. She felt she felt all inspiring, I guess. Just as, as everybody as terrifying as Karn was, I felt Celestine felt like this angelic, awesome presence. She kind of gave me a Joan of Arc vibe. Yes, very much so. Especially when they talked about, you know, her sword. And they panicked when she dropped her sword. And I did make one note about her is uh, near the end, it just makes me kind of want to look into her a little bit more and about this Emperor's divinity. It was when she said, you know, she said, but Celestine trusted her Emperor for thousands of years. This is page 333. For thousands of years, across dozens of lifetimes, he had never, ever led her wrong. So dozens of lifetimes? Is this saying that she's reincarnated many times? Yes. And that, my understanding, and that's one of the reasons I'm so excited to read the Celestine book, is that um, it's part of the book, at least on the Black Library site, uh, hypes, that part of it is going to be about what happens to her when she dies, when she comes, and before she comes back. So what happens to her when she's in that in-between zone? Because yes, St. Celestine has been one of the longest saints and she reappears, as they say very early in the beginning, she appears when somebody is at their most dire need. Mm-hmm. Um, she's like the Matrix of Leadership. Transformers references. Um, and so 
this one, and who even knows? She says dozens of lifetimes. Who even knows what version of this of her this is? Um, I don't know. I think she comes back. It's kind of like Saint Sabbath. I think she comes back in like that light in her the saint portion of her like takes over a body because okay. like Sabbath was just a girl and then suddenly she becomes the saint. So I think that's the same thing with Celestine. But okay. she does kind of maintain that Celestine consciousness, as it were. Well, I have to say, after, you know, Reboot's thoughts on saints, I'm very interested if he gets to meet her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I am also very curious for Reboot to hook up with her and see and especially again because i loved that imperial fist reaction to her um i loved how again that he he even temporarily wrestled and congratulations andy clark i finally like an adeptus sororitas well because <laughs> these weren't crazy bitches yeah thank you who are just like i'm just gonna kill a primaris marine because yolo uh, <laughs> I, my fa the part where they grew on me is when uh, Disorian is like uh, where uh, the canoness is telling Disorian that they have to go and protect another level and he's like do we really and she's like excuse you I'm not some habit rigging habit ringing novitiate I'm a canoness of this world and he's like oh, okay <laughs> like, and just the the end when she mistakes Kassar for I know Oh God! But at the same time, I read, read I reread that a couple of times, um, especially after you know when they're on the ship, when they're leaving. I almost wonder if she knows exactly who he is. It's possible. I mean, because he is a captain, he is going to take uh, the beacon. Um, funny thing is, like, it's not almost like he's like, I don't care about this beacon this is this is our meal ticket out of here so <laughs> we will take the beacon but it almost makes me wonder if like some part i guess if we're going to go into this emperor's divinity if he's speaking through the adeptus sororitas speaking through the saint then he knows exactly what the alpha legion is doing and i made some notes oh. like earlier Oh, that actually was on that, that same page and where I, met, where I took notes about the Emperor knows about the Alpha Legion. Yeah, where she says she knew this as surely as she knew that the Emperor had meant to see the beacon in the hands of Kassar and his brothers rather mm -hmm. than let it fall to the worshippers of Korn or Slanesh. Right. So, now, on one hand, I go back and forth because on one hand, it's possible that the Emperor was like, well, this is the lesser of three evils, Right. Or we've been talking about for a while now that this could be a board flip. It really could be in this brave new world of 40k. Maybe the Alpha Legion comes back to the fold. Maybe this is the start of it. Maybe some of the Alpha Legion. Bruh, I forgot what side they were on. Maybe this is them coming back. I. Is it's it, so hard to say. You know, and I'm still holding on to what Alpharius said. Uh... You know, at the end of um, the Horus Heresy book, Legion, when he said, everything I do from now on is for the emperor. So, and if we're going to say the emperor is a divine being, and, you know, when Magnus was like, I gotta go to warn dad that Horus is doing this. And the emperor was like, first of all, dude, I already knew. Secondly, you broke my webway. Um, Magnus did everything wrong. Poor Magnus. Uh Makes me wonder, like, he knew. You know, if we're going to go into this whole divine thing about, about him knowing, like, who's to say he doesn't know about the Cabal? He doesn't know. Maybe that's why he sent Alpha Legion to that to that planet system. It, honestly, none of it would surprise me at this point. <laughs> they could absolutely... It, on one hand, I don't want it to turn into a giant Xanatos gambit. But on the other hand, I would get to the end and be like, oh... Okay, I, I think we made this joke too at the very end when they are preaching, uh, approaching that imperial ship, and the Alpha Legion. I think it's um, oh, I can't remember which one it is. 
who I think it's Caiaphas who I, says Are you thinking you're thinking of Caiaphas, the spy yeah, master? When, yeah, when Caiaphas is just like duh, we work for the Inquisition. This has been a deep cover operation. My first thought was, well, that's entirely possible, actually. <laughs> and before I was like, oh, no, wait, it's the Alpha Legion. My first thought was, really? Okay. It could? <laughs> Maybe? <laughs> no. Like, I went this whole thing. Like, it worked back and on forth. you, too. Yeah, it's, it's like... I really had to think about it for a long time. I sit down, it's like, well, I could honestly see either way, but isn't that what the Alpha Legion does? Is you know, I, as I wrote down this one one quote in here that we're not the only ones capable of duplicity. I mean, that's right. just kind of what they do. They're, but yeah, but at the same time, I really did have a really, right. huh? Like, well, I mean, maybe, yeah, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> just right. the whole gamut. So her premonition kind of leads us into our next question, which is the question of the Alpha Legion's loyalty has long been up for debate. Does this book kind of settle it one way or the other? Um, or do we just still have a million questions? I, I don't know if it settles it one way or the other, because honestly, this is a group of guys who just wants to leave yeah. and get a ship and go somewhere else. Maybe, you know, meet back up with their with their legion um you know they're they're very big on like not taking sides right um especially when it when it, when it comes to the gods and you know there's something that they uh, uh, excuse me the apothecary said that kind of stuck with me where he's where he's holding on to you know the gene seed of some of their fallen brothers and he's like he's like yes i have them all their punishment is over it's like what punishment? He's like, how could this not be a punishment? We turned against, we, we turned against our sworn, our sworn allies with our, you know, against the other Primarchs and Legions, and then we killed our own brothers in the process. How could this not be a punishment? So, which is right. was like one of those things. Like, okay, this is still tormenting these guys to this day, and I don't know if all of them feel this way. I just, I am sticking with what Alpharius and Omegan said on whatever planet that was and they're like everything i do is for the emperor and it may be just one of those things that we don't understand everything that they do why they do it right the alpha the alpha legion works in mysterious ways it's true though i mean who knows and i think there's been some stories in legion 2 kind of hints that alpharius was all on board Megan might not have been entirely Team Cabal. And you have to remember that in the Horus Heresy, one of the things that was so sad is that not all of the legions turned. Not the it wasn't a hundred percent conversion rate. Um, like the Iron Warriors, they had some people who uh Warsmith Dantioch is a good example who decides that no, I am a loyalist. Garbiel Loken is another example from the Luna Wolves. So it, that was another thing about this that was, that was really crazy is that all of these guys had very complex feelings and emotions about this. You have Valkyr, who is definitely team chaos. Let's just, let's just convert to chaos and be chaotic. And Kasser, who seems to think that, no, we still have this noble end goal that we're trying to get to. The Apothecary, who's like, yeah, we're just being punished. And... I didn't even get the I didn't even get the impression that all of them would be on the same team if you were to ask them what team they were playing for. And I can tell you what team they're playing for themselves. Team Survivor. I oh mean, yeah. Oh, they're full on in survival mode. And you brought this up, and I definitely I, I agree with you. And I actually highlighted several passages in this. <sighs> when they talk about the Emperor himself. They're very positive about him, right? Especially especially when they talk about space marines, you know, the Emperor's perfection, the Emperor's vision. But when they talk about the Imperium, they're very, very derogatory. One of the things that I highlighted was on page 117 when they were fighting, um, I think it was the Guardsmen, the Planetary Defense Force, where um, Kasser felt real fury rise inside him 
and the familiar hatred of the Imperium. How long had he labored to keep his warriors alive, never despairing, always resisting the sick temptation to some vainglorious last stand? Yet one battle turning against them, and these nihilistic zealots were willing to kill themselves to the last man. It was so wasteful and narrow-minded. They, they just, God, they seem to despise the Imperium, which I guess is kind of like people who say that they're, they like, they don't mind religion, but they, or wait, they're religious, they believe in God, but they don't like religion. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they don't seem to like the institution of the Imperium, but they do seem to like the Emperor. Some of them. Valkyr, no. Valkyr's a hard pass on that one. Since they keep calling him Court. I mean, they all say the corpse god, but none of them says it in a derogatory tone because they're very matter of fact about it. Like he is rotting on this throne. Right. Um, But at the same time, like I did, I couldn't help but take note of the times that they, they were so defensive of the emperor. Like when they found out about the primaris, they're like, no, you are an abomination. Like that, that means, was funny. Yeah, just going on about uh, you know that the, what the emperor created was perfection, which I'm just like, oh man, that word again. But uh, you know, he's it was perfect, <laughs> right? It was perfection, and you you've, you've uh, gone against that. That's heresy in of itself. And I found that so funny that they were calling that funny. heresy, which just kind of makes me go back. I'm so glad I read Legion before I read this. And you like, were really, oh, uh, yes, you were very encouraging that I do get, get that done like as soon as possible. But uh, I think a lot of this would not have made sense if you hadn't read, if you didn't have that background. I wouldn't have been, a, I think I would have understood some, but it wouldn't, I wouldn't have gotten like the whole picture. I guess. Or yeah, maybe you wouldn't have had the right, like you would have understood it, but you wouldn't have had the context. Right. 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 I actually, along those lines, though, when they talked about the Emperor's perfection, I liked when they referred to Belisarius Call as some um, upstart Mago. Oh, that's right. <laughs> it's like, oh, you. Well, <laughs> not wrong. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, and I think we've all agreed, he's clearly a problem. Trademark symbol. <laughs> but I, they don't seem to. Ha- so I don't know if maybe that is. Maybe maybe it's just because they've been on this planet for God knows how long, right? You can add them to the list of traitor legions who are now looking at this new Imperium like, what's going on? It actually reminded me a lot of um, that scene in, I think it's in Black Legion, not Talon of Horus, when they go, when they find the Black Templars and they're like, how long have mm-hmm. we been gone? That kind of reminded me of this too when they yeah. see the Primaris and they're like, "What? How long have we been gone?" Like, what was their first response? It was like probably some watered down successor chapter, which made me laugh pretty hard. That made me laugh really hard too. I was, Excuse you, that's the Imperial fists. Which along those lines, at the same time, the uh, Imperial fists that are not Primaris aren't exactly thrilled with the Primaris and probably when I laughed like the loudest was when there's the, the captain at Disorian, he's just like, you know, are they any good? Like just really grumbly about it. And they're like, well, you know, the Primarch, the living Primarch has ordered this. He's like, not our Primarch. <laughs> just, so. I loved that because I think you and I, I don't remember, it might've been in Plague War, but I think we actually made a comment about what must it be like for the other legions, right? Because how much would that suck? Like, well, where's our dad? Why does your dad get to come home? And, um, cause your dad wasn't in stasis. Well, some of them are like, you know, the lion, cause that's who we need to add to this (laughs) mess right now. Like everything's crazy. Wake up the lion. That'll fix it all. (laughs) Oh my God. Can you imagine when he wakes up? Oh my god, it's gonna be like that one meme for the I've been in a coma. <laughs> Can't wait to see my favorite loyalist archangels. You're like, uh <laughs> Can't imagine he'll be like, you took care of that, right? <laughs> That's gonna be a fun conversation. Oh my god, when he sees like what they've become, how they've just become like more about themselves and not about the whole thing, like I could just seem like, you know what? We're just starting over. <laughs> right <laughs> and 
everybody out of the pool. <laughs> yeah, just get me all Primaris. We're giving the Emperor's peace to these people. Um, so along those lines, so we did see these two reactions to the primary, Primaris Marines, and some people aren't liking it. Like, the, the Imperial Fist guy was very grumbly about it, and to his point, though, I mean, the Imperial Fist guys, not only have these guys been fighting against the Emperor, uh, the Chaos guys for 10,000 years, not them personally, but, you know, mm-hmm. as a concept, they've been doing this for a really long time. And most of those Imperial Fists, they are battle tested. These guys have seen some shit. And you have these Primaris Marines who are bigger, faster, stronger. The Bigger, million- better, faster, more. Exactly. But they're not battle tested yet. Right. And they're still having to have the, their little brothers as their babysitters to kind of get them up to par and up to snuff. And here they are defending a... And I think you kind of saw that, too, when they were fighting the Alpha Legion. I mean, it's the Alpha Legion, so you shouldn't feel too bad for getting outboxed by them. But I felt like they were very much expecting a stand-up fight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's not how the Alpha Legion do... And then on the other hand, so you well, have that. also only like 12 of them. <laughs> to be fair, yeah. Yeah, I did like when the Alpha Legion was like, what are you? Yeah. Yeah, that was fun. But you also had them looking at them like, ew. Which I wonder if they're just voicing the unpopular opinion. Well, you know, it kind of made me think of, you know, um, from Dark Imperium, you know, Reboot, he had made the Unnumbered Sons, and then he decided, oh, you know what? We think we got you guys, like, we got the formula good. So now we're going to break you up, and you're going to go with your chapters. And they're like, wait, what? And the chapters are probably like, what? <laughs> Can you imagine getting that call? Yeah, we have your upgrade. We have your upgrade. <laughs> oh. Great. <laughs> like, I think. I think I told you I worked at a company once where we were using a cold fusion platform and we were converting over to Drupal and they brought in all these Drupal developers, which if if you know anything about coding languages, it's like if you speak French and they're bringing in a Russian team, right? There's no crossover there. And it was the most awkward lunch I've ever had to sit at when it was like, oh, we're replacing you. And unlike there were no Calgarian rights, you weren't going to upgrade to a Drupal platform because it sucked. Um, but I just reading, like when I read all that, I still, I can't get over the cringe factor of the Primaris Marines. So reading this book, I really liked that with the Imperial Fist guys being like, because I was like, yeah, "Yeah, I'm right there with you, buddy. Oh, I would totally be that way. 100%. 100%. I still don't think I like the Primaris. I, you know, the only one I like so far is Felix. And that's just because Felix is, I think, the most grounded out of all of them. Brayak Brayak and the other guys from the Spear of the Emperor, they never really felt like Primaris Marines. But they they weren't, though. They were... I don't think they were Primaris, because they only had one Primaris that survived, and that's a barely. Right, sorry. The character, like when, um, not Brayak, I just totally forgot his name. Amadeus. I was like, you know, the song Rock Me Amadeus. So I came up with that name. Um, when he becomes a Primaris Marine, other than being mm. a little awkward, it he didn't, it just, it didn't, it wasn't, that wasn't central to his character. Whereas with Felix and Justinian and uh, the other ones that we've seen, that, that felt, I still just don't like him, I don't think. I like Felix, but I still feel weird about it. I guess it's because I'm just too much of a Uriel Empisanius fangirl. Well, and it, well, maybe they'll get their upgrades too. But um, can you imagine Pisanius? He's already as tall as the Primaris Marine. If they Primaris him, he's going to be as tall as Gulliman. Or he'll just be as big as Marnius because Marnius was already bigger than everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Even the Primaris, he was still a little bit bigger than them. And now that he's gone That's through it. Saying. They have to be like Primark height now. Like, nearly, so- yeah somebody in the eye now anyways um it was interesting to see those viewpoints right so here's something i want to dissect and because this really stood out to me reading this book and i feel like you see this a lot now in some of the trader books which is that 
The Alpha Legion, it uses demons. It uses chaos tools. They have that coffer, the data demons they were using. Kyphus is so far out into <laughs> the field of using chaos, I just can't even. But they abhor the worship of it. Is this splitting hairs? I guess, I mean, it could be. Um, it's an important hair to split. But at the same time, I kind of see it as the same split that Reboot is doing. Um, not that he's, you know, doing demons, but, you know, because he staunchly refuses to believe in his father's divinity. Which, and, yep. and I t totally understand why. You get told something for 10,000 years, you're going to kind of go with it. <laughs> Um, but he's still using all the emperor's tools, right? It's like he's still, and he's still using, um, you know, the, the Adeptus Mechanicus, even though they're kind of like, they really kind of toe that line. And, um, he's now tampering with his father's work and, uh, you know, um, uh, mitigating with the Eldar or Eldari, sorry, it's still Eldar. stupid. It's Eldar. <laughs> they will forever be Eldar. Right. So, well, and I think a good example too is that he's abhorring them trying to use the Mechanicus, trying to use Xenos tech, but he's wearing Xenos tech. Because <laughs> remember, he complains that uh, Belisarius Call is a magpie magos, which is still the greatest phrase ever. But, so that's not okay. But him using it is okay. And I think it's because the only thing I can think of is that they mention a lot how the chaos gods end up using you. Mm -hmm. So I think that if you're the one in control, if you're using it, not it using you, then that's okay. Because, I mean, oh God, I know the whale scene was really difficult for you in Plague War. The throne room scene in this book was so hard for me. Oh, I actually, like a couple times, like visibly. Emperor's children are nasty, yo. Oh god, they're so disgusting. The throne made of human flesh. What the? Why? Why? Doesn't your Primarch wear a cloak of flesh? That's different. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Those people are dead. Um, They're not so, well, to be fair. Anyways. We, we don't talk about the, the planet that he lived on on I can't say the name it's like because of the TSU um so Guam anyways that one place they talk about him having like walls and a floor of living flesh and screaming faces and anyways we don't talk about that he was going through a rough period <laughs> like, like his entire life he just wanted daddy to notice him and punish him and he did Anyways, moving on. Um, so what I was saying is, like, was splitting hairs, like with you know, Reboot's doing the same thing. He's not worshiping his father, but he's still right. using his father's tools. And like you said, he's not worshiping Zenos. He's not like shaking hands with Zenos, but he's still using some of Zenos. Um, like he's very, like he's kind of, kind of like picking which Zenos he uses. Like, okay, so we're using yeah. some of the Eldar, but we're not going to use the Necron or the Orc. But yet you can see, Bella, like you said, it's not clear 100%, but we're pretty certain that the method of uh, phone communication between Belisarius Call and Reboot is definitely some Necron tech, whether Reboot knows it or not. I um, think maybe he's just like, I think it's one of those things where you're like, I'm just not going to ask. Like long as I don't know for sure, I have reasonable doubt. Uh, plausible deniability. Uh, so I kind of see it almost the same way. Right. That's fair, too. But there were times, like, when they talk about how they're just like, oh, we're, you know, we're not corrupt. We won't use the gods. I mean, like, Kessar, Kessar carries a demon sword that talks to him. So, like, on one hand, they're condemning chaos and they're looking at those emperor's children and they're like, we don't want to be like that. Like, I mean, 
you have one foot in already. I, I guess it comes back to that whole loyalist versus if they do decide to go back to the fold, they're like, okay, we're loyalists again. They're going to have to get rid of a few things. I don't Although, know, though, because, you know, I remember you, we talked, you talked to me before about the talking sword, and I honestly thought nothing of it for starters because it wasn't as crazy as the one that Fulgrim had. And, uh, and it really, it, it, to me, it wasn't as much talking to us. It was just like, it was very vampiric. It reminded me of the sword that that tribe used of uh, Ravener's fiance. They, because they had those right. different swords that were like almost demonic. It reminded me of, um, in the Iron Warrior series, Hansu, his axe is possessed. And there's a scene, I cannot for the life of me remember which book it's in, but he's going to battle and he's kind of been, he do, he won't let the axe in, like he won't let it possess him or communicate with it really. He'll every now and then kind of appease it in certain ways, but he was kind of sassing off to his axe, as one does. And the axe just falls to the floor and he can't lift it. It's like a Thor's hammer thing, right? Where he can't lift it. He's like arguing with the axe. He's the like, axe oh, is having um, a temper oh, tantrum. Have it you, is. It's have you ever tried to lift a, a three-year-old having a temper <laughs> tantrum? It's impossible. Exa exactly. That's exactly what it is. And he's like arguing with it. He's like, come on, not right now. <laughs> so that's this really reminded me of that. I mean, there's that scene when Karn, when Karn crashes the train, which... Like, I'm just trying to imagine what was going through his head. Like, oh, I need to get the train into the station. Full steam ahead! <laughs> like, okay! Calm down. All I could think of is, I don't know if you remember, there's that meme where they're talking about, like, all the different chaos gods. And when they're talking about Corn, uh, they're just like, fuck, son, calm down. <laughs> all I could think of. Um, but, I mean, the, the sword starts talking to him. And he... They don't really mention it again. Again, the sword saves his life. I'm sure if there's a sequel to this book, which I can't imagine there wouldn't be. <laughs> they escape with the beacon. Um, I'm trying to find the page now. I thought I marked it, but apparently I didn't. But I can't imagine that doesn't come back. He accepted help from the sword. Because remember, he talks about how he's like, I don't remember how I survived. And mm -hmm. he... He remembers losing his arm, but he still has his arm. Right. He's very confused. And it has like almost these strange flashbacks. Like when he sees Karn, like his, he has this pain in his chest and he looks down. And he's like, but there's nothing wrong with my chest. Like he's very confused. There is some sort of phantom thing going on there. There it is. Yeah. Chapter 11 on page 223, where it, um, it's right after Karn crashes the train and it says, let me help you. No, you die. Yes you need not so he's sitting there and he's going back and forth uh you've wielded me for many years and resisted me for all that time we do not kneel to gods or demons and um it totally manipulates him mm -hmm. really but it does you know it's just you know like all the demons do they find that one little thing that you're afraid of yep. and his fear was that his brothers wouldn't be able to carry on without him exactly and which God, all I could think of was from Ravener. I think it was when they were talking about when Kara Swole was just like, well, what kind of a demon would help me? Right. Like a very clever one. Yeah. It reminded me of that. It was very cunning, very cruel. And that has to come back. So that's one of the things too, where they're like, oh, we don't worship chaos. Bruh, you just made a deal with the soul. Sounds ridiculous when you say it that way. You just, you just made a deal with the sword demon again that's gonna be a thing right but it makes me wonder how he's gonna deal with that you know when he right. remembers comes back is he going to kill himself to to try to end it so that he doesn't bring his brothers down with him it's it's all very i mean there is going to be a sequel right mr clark i mean please there has to be there has to be I gotta know. Uh, I gotta know what what they do with the beacon. Do they kill everybody on board and take the ship? And you know, right? I need, I need to know things. I need to know, and especially since Falkir, douche. Oh well, I already know what's gonna happen to Falkir. I mean, he gets picked up by the Emperor's children, and he's not going to have a good time. 
Is he just gonna become a Slanashi dude? He's gonna be like, but wait! I'm an asshole and I'll worship your god! <laughs> I think that's really all you need to join the Emperor's children. Just saying. Uh, Maybe. Oh my god, there has to be a sequel to this. So, if for no other reason, this again, this book is bonkers. You have the World Eaters, the Alpha Legion, the Emperor's Children, Imperial Fists, Adeptus Sororitas, a saint, a keeper of secrets. Oh my. <laughs> oh my. Um, and a partridge in a pear tree. And a, a beacon on a hive world. Does it all tie together? Does it have to? <laughs> I mean, at some point, yes, right? It. I think it really did. If you would have just told me, like, oh my god, we read this book and it had these ten things in it, I would have been like, whew, that sounds really busy. That sounds like Daikatana. <laughs> right? <laughs> oh my god. I don't even know how to react to that reference. <laughs> Anyways, deep cuts. Uh, <laughs> you can see where our interests, just like where our interests are. Um, comics, video games, and Warhammer. It's historical Western romance novels. Um, That's her. That's not me. <laughs> we don't talk about it. Um, I think it really tied it tied together very well, and I think it was because he maintains that somewhat light tone again. When the saint shows up and they're like, oh my god, and now a saint. Like, they take it so in stride, and because he manages to keep that just, and then this, and then this, and then this, tone and momentum in the book, I think it tied together really well. It really felt like, um, lack of a better word, like you could kind of feel like the swirl of chaos of everything that's going on around them. It actually, giving... I'm about to give him a really good compliment here, but it reminded me a lot of um, King of Shakespeare's tragedies, especially King Lear. Because King Lear, yes, that's, that is, it's a whirlwind. Like the whole time I was reading the play, like I just felt like this vortex and I was getting sucked into it and just kept spinning faster and faster and faster. And that's exactly what this felt like. And I yes. kept feeling like I was reading King Lear again. Yeah, I, you know what? I wouldn't have put those two together, but I can absolutely see where you're coming from on that, where it does. It just, it feels like, and it hits a point. I would actually argue, um, actually right after that point that I just mentioned, once Karin crashes that train into the building, it just like, it, it, it reminded me of like the roller coaster where they get to the top and then it just whoosh down mm -hmm. to the bottom and it doesn't stop. Oh my gosh, it doesn't stop. And the thing that I liked about this was that, so a good example would be the Night Lords. Sorry, I keep going back to the Night Lords. <laughs> really good book. That's a really good series. Um, I keep going back to it because there's a really important scene uh, in one of the, the last books where they're fighting against the Blood Angels. I didn't care what happened to the Blood Angels. I was so invested in the Night Lords. I was just like, I don't even care what happens to these people. Oh, they've killed the Blood Angels. Bye, Felicia. But in this book, like, I, I was really sad. Like, I was rooting for our Alpha Legion team. I was going to be really upset if Halpheus died when they get off the train. Right, when they split up, yeah. I was texting you, and I was like, if he dies, I'm going to burn this book. <laughs> Not really. Uh but I still also felt sad, like when Desoria died, I was a little wrecked. And when the Canoness dies, oh no, it was, I felt like, yeah, I, I'm cheering for the bad guys, I'm sad and cheering for the good guys. And I don't know, somehow I was hoping there'd be a happy ending. Well, I guess I was hoping that maybe all the world eaters would die. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, a lot of them die. Well, I know, but like all of them, and then the Emperor's children, and then, you know, the Alpha Legion. Those are the people I wanted to die. <laughs> and, and then Alpha Legion and St. Celestine go home and bake a cake together. It'd be fantastic. <gasps> that would have been lovely. And then the Necrons show up with ice cream. Exactly. And the Loxital bake a cake? I wouldn't need a Loxital cake. Anyways. <laughs> uh, yes, I... I was kind of hoping for that. And I have to admit, like, part of me was like, oh, man, is this going to be the book where the Alpha Legion are like, wait, maybe we chose the wrong side. And I still keep coming back to that in the end with them having this beacon. 
are they going to use it to their own advantage? Yeah, like definitely. Who knows? Who knows what that advantage is going to be? Maybe it's right. just to get off the ship, go somewhere else, or maybe it's to continue their ruse that they're part of the Inquisition. I mean, if you think about it, Kaifus has this way of being like, no, no, no. I mean, it's it's basically the Force at that point. Like, no, no, no. I'm exactly what I'm telling you I am. And which I love that scene too, where the guy's like, no, you're Alpha Legion. We're, we're seeing that you're Alpha Legion. And he's like, no. And then the guy's immediately like, oh, God, I'm such an idiot. Why would I have questioned these guys? I hope they're not mad at me. Like, I mean, he's bought it so, so strongly. They can continue that ruse for quite some time. And that would probably be pretty beneficial to them too. If it, for nothing else, just to get more information, uh, right about the Imperium. I mean, isn't that kind of what the Alpha Legion does? It's how the Alpha Legion do. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they mention it several times in here. Information is power. Brokering information is power. There's that big thing with Kyphus where he discovers that Karn isn't in fact on the planet, but he doesn't share it with anybody, right? Because he's like, but information's power. Like well, he, he's just this a hoarder of secrets. Yes. It made me think, though, like, it made me imagine the Alpha Legion together, like, you know, like in prison, how they trade cigarettes. I could just imagine them being like trading favors and stuff for, all right, I got the dirt. There's so much like, they're like a little sewing circle <laughs> full of gossip and information. So that might actually be useful information. But I. Again, I went into I went into I can't get past the fact that I went into this book like, eh, okay. And it's probably one of my favorites we've read this year. It's definitely one of mine. It was so much fun. And holy cow, but here's a question for you. Okay. I didn't think about to put on the page, but it is something that's kind of been weighing on me. So having read Spear of the Emperor on the wrong side of the rift, we know that that particular section they're fighting a losing battle. Those guys, I mean, the whole book is being written from an underground bunker because the planet's being taken over, right? Um, things are going less than well. These guys are there too, probably a little bit further away, but they just got off with the beacon. Like, AKA the only way that anybody on that side of the rift can travel through warp space. Gulliman's talking about sacrificing that section of the rift. Mm -hmm. Oh my god, where do we go from here? Uh, I did look at the copyright date and this was written, uh, I can't tell if it's before, I don't have my Dark Imperium here, but this was definitely written before Plague War. Right, because this is 2017, right? Right, and I think that Dark Imperium was, it was in 2017, I think. It was. Oh, there it is. Well, it has to be because of the Primaris. That one would have to have been written first. Yeah. First published in 2017. Well, it doesn't have a month attached with it. Let me double check this. <laughs> Giant stack of books that I'm going to push everywhere. Um, copyright. Yeah, it just says 2017. So I don't know which of these came first. I would have to imagine it goes Dark Imperium and then Shroud Knight. Right, just because of the Primaris. Actually, it just dawned to me. I think the same artist did both of these covers. It looks like it. it I, I like the artist. I like the artist for both. So, By the way, have you seen the full art for this? I have not. Oh, gosh, it's so pretty. Because there's, like, the battle continues back on the side. Oh, of this cool. Water. It's quite lovely. Um, that's really random, but it's quite lovely. Um, so we have the St. Celestine book coming out this fall by Andy Clark. I have to imagine it picks up right after Karn. Karn's her. Which, by the way, if she gets reincarnated, does Korn really care about her? Does he get extra points? I think he still likes the skulls. Oh, that's true. I suppose that's true. But I would imagine him being like, oh, this one. Again. <laughs> collecting pokemon card like i already have this one but it's a collection he has all of her skulls that's true he has like gen one and gen two and 
we that's a good point <laughs> after the redesign um but i so we have that one coming out next i have to imagine there's another shroud of night book i'm imagining saint celestine's gonna tie into this book it all seems to be moving towards a cohesive picture I just, it seems like it's coming at it from three separate sides. Gulliman wants to sacrifice that part of the rift uh, on the other side of the rift. Spirit of the Emperor seemed to be like, it's probably a good thing that he's doing that because things are not going well. But then this book is like, but wait, there's hope with the Alpha Legion. <laughs> what is going on? Well, you know, it kind of seemed that the Alpha Legion was going to be the one to ride in and, <laughs> and be like, see, we know what we're do a George Lucas. See, we know what we were doing all along. Right. We had a plan. I, her boots all pouty and Alfarius is like, oh, you. Right. Like, you just got to let that go. <laughs> um, I just hope it gives me long enough to start the hipster, the Warhammer 40k hipster movement. Alfarius this, Alfarius that. Why is nobody Omegan? He's, you know, you haven't heard of my Primark. He's underground gonna start the i am omega movement um just for no other reason because it makes me feel really funny to say that it's a warhammer 40k hipster thing besides which i still don't believe that alfarius is dead oh, the no. guy's been confirmed dead four times my husband will argue till he's blue in the face that of course he's dead because rogel dorn killed him and you know he likes the imperial fists um i'm not so certain no I mean, because we're not so certain if Dorn is dead either, right? Correct. Correct. Uh, he was rumored dead, but never found a body other than his... Other than what? What? A fist? They were not exactly subtle guys back in the Are you... Like... Nothing is subtle. All right. You have the Primarch of the Iron Hands is named Iron Hand. All right, there's, he even literally has iron hands. I mean, <laughs> bruh, like... are you going to talk to me about that in the face of the Primarch named Common Raven, who leads the Raven Guard, and his last words before leaving his oh my God. for nevermore. That's not a joke. Yeah, this when she first told me that, life. I was like, you're kidding, right? And she's like, no. No, of course I'm not kidding. Nevermore. This is... This is the really real world. Look, I love Warhammer 40k, and I will argue that it is the best science fiction universe in the entirety of nerd culture because it is. I agree. They were not subtle people. <laughs> like, when you're creating this stuff, they were not subtle. If we could, like, retcon and go back in time and have the holy trinity of ADB, Guy Haley, and Dan Abnett go back and recreate all of that, I'm sure we'd have something much better. But you go to war with the army you have. Speaking of that... Are you kidding me? Dan Abnett caused some of that. <laughs> okay, okay, so he does have some... They're not all winners. <laughs> this is a terrible segue. I was going to say, speaking of that... We'll be learning more about the Imperial Fix. Ah, uh, yes. Textbook. Ah, it's so pretty. It's so pretty. Uh, actually, my favorite feature is the. I am a sucker for the colored pages. Like um, the horror novels, uh, The Wicked and the Damned, they all have black pages, which I think are really awesome. Yes, you guys, this one I think is going to be bonkers too. So we We've got, got the Imperial scars. Fist, the White Scars, and the Raven Guard. Oh my. Yes. All right, that joke's getting old. <laughs> you just say that because the movie was made like in the 30s or 40s. And um, I am really, really excited for this one. Ooh. Look at the Raven Guard. So by the way, if you ever wondered why they, um, the orcs refer to the Space Marines as beakies, it's because of the Mark armor that had the beaked helmet and really the Raven Guard are the only guys who still own that. Because they are not subtle people. <laughs> We're named after birds. We're just going to keep the beak helmets. I'm really excited for this book, though, because it does have the word bearers in it. And as much as I hate Erebus. Fuck Erebus. And I do. By the way, there's an entire subreddit called Fuck Erebus. If you didn't know that, now you know. Uh, you're welcome. Okay, like, this little guy down here in the corner is one creepy ass dude. I gotta go that picture. 
He's like got like a he's like an Oh with the needles on his hand? He yes. looks like Scarecrow from Arkham Asylum. Yeah, he kinda does. Uh, he played Arkham Asylum. That was not a fun section. Ooh. So I am like, I'm excited for this. There's Alright, this white scars painting is uh he's very old and chiseled, but at the same time it looks very good. Yes. Yes. The space mongols. See now, see now I want to make South Park jokes. <laughs> right. Um yeah, so this one this one should be really good. Of course, my husband already read it and like was literally hopping foot to foot to talk about stuff and he had to wait until I read to read the book. Uh, but he was like, stuff happens. So I again this is such an exciting time to be reading Warhammer 40k because you have so much going on and I do feel like it's going to be for a long time there again I loved reading Warhammer 40k but for a long time it was just kind of okay just keep on keeping on keeping on stuff's happening but nothing's really the story's not really progressing so it's really exciting I was I was amongst the people who were really angry when Abaddon destroyed Cadia but it's so fun and exciting to see the world actually progressing. We have a Primarch back. There's a rift. Stuff is happening. We have new space marines. I still don't really like the Primarch space marines. But there's just so much going on. It is so exciting right now. Did you like the Unsung's comment about hearing about that Katie fell? And they're like, what? The Pretender? He's been after that for a millennia. I... Yeah. I love it. I do love that they've tasked ADV with kind of making Avedon this more imposing figure and that, you know, no, he really did have a plan all along. But I do still, I, it's a secret joy of mine when everybody else is like, mm hmm, gotcha. <laughs> like, again, incompetence wears Terminator armor. Um, I Oh my gosh. Do you want to take us out, Carrie? I'm thinking you should cross stitch that on a pillow. <laughs> so amazing. <laughs> I think now she's going to do it. <laughs> I probably am, actually. Oh, what would you do? Like the, maybe like the old school Eye of Horus. <laughs> see, I would want one too if you made one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if only I could crochet it, because then it would be a lot better. Um, yes. I crochet while I read my Warhammer 40k books, as one does. Yeah, I'm usually there yelling at my kids, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Be nice to your brother. <laughs> Which, speaking of that along those lines, I have to say really quickly, as I was reading this book and I was really enjoying it, I was like, oh, this one's so good. It's so fun. And I had just made offhand a comment to my daughter, who's 11, and I was like, oh, you know, if only you knew some of the background, because you could read this book, and I think you would really enjoy it. And she's reading the young adult Warhammer books, and she was like, your books suck. Mine are awesome. You're you're wrong. But I'm glad you like them. She's really excited for the Tao book. She's excited for the Tao? So I also had concerns. We had to talk to our child about space communism. But... It's because the main character is going to be the Mechanicus kid. Ah. And like her mother, she already loves the Mechanicus. Except for Belisarius called because you can't trust that guy. No. That's the only reason that I want the next Dark Imperium book to come out, like now. Because <laughs> actually, uh, Guy Haley's also doing a, um, he's also doing a Belisarius call book, which maybe we'll figure out what he was doing when he went through that tunnel and couldn't answer Reboot. <laughs> Oops, tunnel! Can't hear yeah. you. Can I, make, can I make the rest of these guys? No! Uh, you're breaking up! <laughs> like, oh my god. Well, Guy Heavy has to stop rating other things first. Before he can finish the Dark Imperium. Stop! I can't wait to read Lost in the Damned. You what? I can't wait to read Lost in the Damned. <laughs> yeah. Anyways... Do you want to take us out, Carrie? I sure will. So you have listened to the Warhammer 40K book club regarding Shroud of Night by Andy Clark. Be sure to join us for our next book where we get into even more Imperial Fists, Apocalypse by Guy Haley. Yes, look at the beautiful cover. Josh Reynolds. 
Oh, it's Josh Reynolds. God, I keep we keep saying Guy Haley. So, <laughs> well, okay. To be fair, us not reading Guy Haley or ADB, it's a little we're breaking our mold. I feel terrible. I'm sorry, Mr. Reynolds. So yes, Apocalypse by Josh Reynolds. It's this Guy Haley's fault. I don't know how, but it is. <laughs> but, we are an unofficial book club and not affiliated with the Black Library or any of its affiliates. You can find both the vidcast and the podcast on our website, wh40kbookclub.com. If you like this episode, please like, subscribe, give a review, and all those wonderful things to the vidcast on YouTube or the podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, or Stitcher. Our site also has articles about our adventures in reading other Warhammer 40k books and short stories outside of the book club books. Please stay a while and read from a crag. Good night, everybody. Good night.